Hello, and welcome back to Catching Up David. This episode is episode number 23, Moana. Hi, Hallie. Hi, David. Hi, Kristen. Hello! <laughs> there might be some slight technical issues in this episode, but we are going to plow through and hope for the best. Fingers crossed. Some facts about Moana. It's a 2016 computer animated musical adventure film. It's produced by Walt Disney Animation Studios and released by Walt Disney Pictures. It is the 56th Disney animated feature film, which is so many. If somebody asked me to name all of the Disney animated feature films, I would have come up with far less than 56. It stars Auli Cravalho as Moana, who is just 14 at the time of production. It also stars Dwayne Johnson, Rachel House, Timuera Morrison, Jemaine Clement, Nicole Scherzinger, and Alan Tudyk. Last episode, I totally called The Rock being in this, and it turns out I do know who Alan Tudyk is because I watched Firefly when I was in high school. Also, he was in Zootopia and Frozen, which we also watched for the podcast, so if you haven't listened to those episodes yet, you should check them out. And finally, I do know who Jermaine Clement is. He's the guy from Flight of the Concords and What We Do in the Shadows. Yeah! I didn't recognize it was him from his voice the first time, but the second time I was like, this guy sounds a lot more familiar than I thought. And You know, I thought about telling you, I thought being like, that's Jermaine Clement, but I didn't, I wasn't confident you would know who that was, so I just didn't take that risk. Yeah. But yeah, he's the, he's the giant shiny crab. He is. I have no clue who that is. He's the giant shiny crab. I know he's the crab, but I don't know, like, that actor. He's the crab. Well, yeah, I know, but I don't know the actor. Yeah, he's the he's the guy famously known as the crab in Moana. Yeah, that's who he is. I can't believe you didn't know that. I know he's the crab! I don't know the actor. Do not say he's the crab again. He's Tamatoa. Or I'll kill you. That's who he is. I don't know why you're confused. Carry on. I'm done with this. <laughs> Have you seen What We Do in the Shadows, Kristen? Nope. You should watch it. It's really good. You'd probably nope. like it. I recommend it. I hear good things. I have not seen it, though. It is written, directed by, and stars the guy who was the crab in Moana. Moana features songs written by Opetaya Foai. Mark Mancina, and Lin-Manuel Miranda, who's the Hamilton guy, which I've never seen, but I know that he's the Hamilton guy. I'm so proud of you for knowing he's the Hamilton guy. Yeah, he's, he's the Hamilton guy. He's the Hamilton guy. He's really, he's really famous no, I'm, now. I'm not, I'm not proud of you for knowing he's the Hamilton guy, because at this point, if you don't know that Lin-Manuel is the Hamilton guy, I don't know what to tell you. So, you don't get... Pats on the back. You just get congrats. You're, you're hip with the times. I, as people often say, am hip with the times. Is a pat on the back and congrats not basically the same thing? <laughs> no, they are different. How? I feel like this whole episode, I'm just going to have to explain myself. Like, I know that he's the crab and they're different. This episode Carry has on. not been kind to you. Also, 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 
fun Hamilton tie-in is that the person who's George Washington in Hamilton plays her dad. That is a fun tie-in. You get a point for that. No. Yay! I don't want her to get a point. Moana was positively reviewed by the critics and grossed over $690 million worldwide. It also received two Academy Award nominations for Best Animated Feature and Best Original Song, which it lost to Zootopia and La La Land, respectively. I hadn't realized that Zootopia and Moana had come out in the same year until I was doing research for this, but it did. Good year for Alan Tudyk. Time is an illusion and nothing matters, but I was surprised when you said that this is a 2016 movie because it feels, even though it's only a one-year difference, like it would have been a 2017 movie. I would agree with that. In case it's been a while since you've seen it, Moana follows Moana, the daughter of a chief of a Polynesian village who is chosen by the ocean to return a mystical green stone called the Heart of Tefiti to the goddess from which it was stolen. Forbidden by her father to ever leave the island, Moana defies the chief and sets out past the reef in a canoe in search of the demigod Maui, who stole the heart in the first place to make him replace the stone. However, Maui requires his magical fish hook, the source of his powers, before he is willing to help her, so they must fight a big shiny crab in the realm of monsters to reclaim it. The crab is played by Jermaine Clement. He sure is. Then, in a fight with the lava demon Teka, guardian of the island where Tefiti lives, Maui's hook is damaged, and he abandons Moana, unwilling to help her further, leaving Moana to figure out how to restore the heart on her own. A cute pig, some coconut-sized pirates, and a very stupid chicken. Moana. So, seeing it for the first time, as I mentioned the last episode, I didn't know anything about the movie going into it, except for The Rock being in it. And even then, I had no idea what character he played or anything about the plot. But overall, once I watched it, I really liked it. I liked the songs a lot. Hey Hey the Chicken was funny. And I liked the sort of fraught relationship between Moana and Maui as they were on the boat and trying to figure out what they were going to do. And how Maui keeps like throwing her off into the water and the ocean keeps bringing her back onto the boat. That was a running gag that I appreciated. Something I did want to talk about, and maybe it's a thing that we can talk about first, is once I, once we were sort of into the movie, I did find myself being able to, I guess, predict a lot of the story beats, sort of like almost down to the minute. Like Moana is left alone on the boat and is on the verge of giving up. I was like, well, it looks like time for Grandma to show up again. And then her ghostly manta ray appears in the ocean, which I thought was great. Like, I really love the bright, ghostly manta ray thing. And I love the grandma as a character. I think she's, she's like, one of the best. But I don't know. Is there some sort of, like, classic Disney formula? As soon as I saw the grandma, also, I thought, well, I'm going to be really sad when she dies. And then she died. <laughs> And I was really sad because, again, she's awesome. But as soon as she died and she had been talking about the manta rays earlier, I was like, I bet she comes back as a ghost to help Moana out later. <laughs> and then she did. I don't know. Am I just making things up or is there some sort of... No. So I remember seeing this movie and I think I was waiting for there to be some like ultra big complication or some some big plot twist or 
some extra punch. Not that it needed it, but I think people just when they see movies are used to a certain formula and that you sort of expect the unexpected so we are waiting for that to come along and it didn't happen and I still really enjoyed Moana but I remember seeing other tweets and people talk about how they also sort of felt the same way and they were waiting for something maybe I don't I can't even quite describe it because it has been a while apparently since I've seen it and I had the same sort of it was almost predictable, but I kind of like that it was just, you know, she sets out to see, she has this problem, she has this problem, you have the big climax of the movie, and you have a happy resolution. Like, it doesn't need to be this big production. And it was just Moana on her boat with Maui and Hey Hey the chicken. And it was a fun time, but no, I see what you mean. I just can't articulate it. Um, I wouldn't say that it's a Disney thing, necessarily. Because it hits a lot of beats that Disney movies hit, but Disney movies hit a lot of beats that other movies also hit. Like, I've seen complaints that it's the same as Mulan, because Mulana doesn't feel like she fits and is the perfect daughter, and also because the grandma is, like, kooky and weird and eccentric. But, like, I feel like Disney movies didn't coin those tropes. You know, I just feel like those tropes came into play. And that's totally fine. And a movie doesn't have to be... It, like, being predictable doesn't make a movie bad. And I don't like when people are like, I saw everything coming. Ergo, the movie was not enjoyable for me. Because, I don't know, there's so much more to a movie than just, like, plot twists. And I think Moana is really enjoyable to watch. But I do also agree that there is something missing. And I think the tropey parts of it feel a lot stronger because that one thing was missing. And I don't even think it was missing, like, a plot twist or anything. I just think it was missing, like Kristen said, some sort of extra complication. Or I've gone on record as I think Maui needed a scene with at least one god who convinced him to turn around. I think the movie could have benefited from seeing Maui's decision to return. Because, of course he does. I, I just feel like that would have added something that the movie was missing. Yeah, I guess I hadn't noticed that we didn't see him decide to come back like you'd think there would have been if not a god at least that little little tattoo guy on his peck being like come on man you gotta go back to moana the girl's all alone he you know obviously has a fraught relationship with humanity and the gods because humanity didn't want him which is why he tries to impress them so often so it felt like that could have been a really meaningful moment for him if we saw it but we didn't And that being a meaningful moment for him would have strengthened his relationship with Moana, which would have just, like, I don't know. There would have been an extra step, and I would have enjoyed it more. Um, But I don't think that where Moana falls flat is because it follows Disney tropes. I don't know that it's it's a Disney problem. Yeah, that's fair. I think it's a thing that I recognize more in Disney Mm -hmm. movies, maybe. But... Like I said, I really, I really liked Moana, and it, it definitely, like being able to pinpoint, like, oh, here's where we need a a turn, or here's where they're gonna run into trouble again. Like that didn't detract from the movie at all from me. I still thought it was really great and really fun. I guess building off of that, did you have a a favorite part of the movie? Like, for me, I really loved the idea of 
the when the father takes her up on the mountain and shows her the pile of stones that make the whole island higher by placing another rock on there and then that we return to that idea at the end where she puts the the conch shell on top of the pile i thought that was really great i i liked hey hey a lot more than i thought i would hey hey was the secret animal companion because i guess like it has the it has the Disney it has what you go to a Disney movie for. It's got the plucky protagonist and it's got the animal sidekick. And everybody thought the animal sidekick was gonna be that really cute pig. And then it really wasn't. It was mm-hmm. Hey Hey, who is both useless and useful at the yeah. same time. And I really like Hey Hey. Uh, specifically the scene where he yeah. screams, but only because I know the backstory to Ellen Tudyk recording that. And then in the interview where he's like, They told me, you know, you're a chicken you don't you're on a boat uh you you don't know how you got there you don't know how long you've been here you don't know how to get back you're, you're just confused you're a chicken here's your situation and he did that and then he ended that interview by saying i went to juilliard which i just <laughs> really love <laughs> so every time i see that scene i think of that interview and thank god alan tudyk you're such a champion but i think my favorite line in the movie is in the scene where her dad takes her to the little stone monument because he says i've wanted to take you up here since the moment you've opened your eyes and that's just a really cute line yeah um my favorite part i don't know i really like just the parts i'm <sighs> unrelated but i'm on like uh, uh uh god what are they called period piece kick and i think part of it is because i'm suddenly in the mood to watch things where there's like longing <laughs> And so in the midst, (laughs) yearning, (laughs) and so in the midst of that, I watched Moana, and I think because of that correlation, one of my favorite things is just, you know, when she's, like, fulfilling her duties, and she's walking among the people down that path towards the uh, bigger building, and you can see her looking wistfully towards the water, and her grandma's there just having fun doing her thing, and Moana makes the active choice, like... No, I'm going to, like, do my duty, serve my people. But you can still tell that she really wants to go to the ocean. It's not that she doesn't care about her people, but she has a call to the water. And I don't know, I really like that. So How Far I'll Go, in general, is just a fun time. How Far I'll Go is a great song. And that whole scene, yeah, that's that. has a lot of good scenes, though. I really like Maui's cockiness. I just think it's fun. Like, singing along to your welcome and actually putting oomph and effort into it is a really good time. It is. That's not really related. I don't remember how I went from point A to point B, but... Talk about favorite parts. Oh, yeah, just the way he talks. It's fun. Yeah, I like when he first gets his fish hook back and he's having trouble with his shape-shifting powers and he has the shark head. Uh The shark head was really funny to me just like that whole scene where where he's like trying to be really earnest but he's got this dopey shark head i was a big fan of that i also do like the power at the end of the movie when she realizes that the the heart of the sea or the heart of tefiti and te ka that's the name right te ka yep is tefiti and just the the power of 
the water parting and her singing and walking slowly and all the wind is blowing past and you can see Teka like crawling towards her. But Moana's not moving. Moana knows who he, who she is and she's just standing strong. And it's a really nice moment. It is a, it is a yeah. really good climax. Because I did not see that coming for all the things, and maybe I'm one of the minority, but... I think for all the things that you sort of could see coming in Moana, again, not that it's a bad thing, just, you know, stories follow a certain uh, architect. Architect, that's not the word. Structure. And that was one thing that I didn't anticipate. I don't know why. It just, it caught me off guard. And I was like, oh my god, te cas, te fiti, bananas. It did be the first time too. And it's funny that that plot twist is somehow not the plot twist we want. Like, even with that, me admitting, like, oh, yeah, that was a nice surprise. I'm still, like, mm-hmm. there needed to be something else before before that whole showdown. Not really a showdown. Uh, before that exchange. Mm-hmm. I still feel that way. But I, but I feel like the exchange is, like, rewarding. And it's nice watching one woman give a thing to another woman. And be like, sorry, this man did this dumb thing. I'm gonna fix it. Because I'm awesome. And men suck. Because men don't think through, <laughs> don't think things through. <laughs> yeah, I I thought that it um it tied into the bigger, I don't know, theme I guess of the movie of sort of knowing who you are and not letting like the pain of your previous traumas define you. Like, Tafiti has her heart stolen and turns into this raging lava demon because of it, but remembers who she really is when Moana sings to her and, and like closes her eyes and lets Moana replace the heart. Yeah. Along with like Maui was abandoned and thinks he's only truly great because of the gift of his fish hook and his sort of journey of learning that he doesn't need it after all, which is a little bit disrupted at the end because Tafiti replaces his hook anyways. Yeah. Like that's like, uh, like, I get that he realizes he doesn't need it, and it's and it's satisfying. But a scene where he either fights completely without the fish hook, or comes to realize that on his own terms instead of just announcing it and then immediately accepting a new one would bet. I mean, I would accept a new magic fish hook that that tracks. I don't know. I don't have. I don't yeah, have like I a mean... problem with him getting a new one. It's just like I like. It what sounds like you have a problem with him getting a is... new one. Yeah, I don't actually know what my problem is. I just know there is one. <laughs> I think he he almost fights without the fish hook. Yeah, like he's he's willing to risk it, which is close enough. Like it works. I don't think it doesn't work. I just I don't know. I lost my train of thought. Somebody somebody get us back on the on the boat here. Yeah, well, the other the other person who thematically sort of discovers who they are and gets past their trauma is Moana's dad, yeah. who angrily refuses to let anyone cross the reef because of his friend that died in the storm last time he went out on the ocean. And then at the end, accepts Moana for who she is and somebody who needs to be a voyager once she comes back from her journey to replace the the heart of Tafiti. I was gonna say that the dad thing was another like 
point against it as far as like being a predictable Disney movie went because there's a Disney trope of like protective dads who then destroy the thing that you like to keep you safe. But the only one who really fits into that is King Triton from Little Mermaid. I can't think off the top of my head of any other angry Disney dad. And again, I feel like overprotective parent who doesn't get their kid is not a unique Disney trope. That's just a movie trope slash like yeah. story trope. So that I, I really liked that they paid that off with, um, cause he's on the boat at the end too, when they're all voyaging and they're happy together on their cool big canoes. He's there and he seems happy. He's learning. Yeah. Although one thing I will say, like, I'm glad that he learned and I'm glad that they're all voyaging. But I thought this at the end when I saw it for the first time in theaters, but she places the shell on top of the rocks. And I understand the symbolism of, you know, it ends here. No more rocks will be placed upon this. We're voyagers now. And I get it. But also, their island, like the coconuts had been going bad and they weren't catching any fish and all these things because of the heart of Tefiti being taken by Maui, but then it was finally returned, and you can see as Tefiti lays back down, all the plants coming back to life and everything, and so in theory, their island would be fine again, and I just feel like some people would maybe want to stay on the island, and now suddenly they're all leaving, and Moana didn't give anyone an opportunity to place their rock on top because she put a shell there, and it's going to break the shell. And I get the symbolism and that now they're all exploring and they're going out, but at the same time, I'm like, you, you fixed your problem, so now technically there's even less reason to leave your island. So I was under the impression they were going to go back. Like, they were just doing this for funsies. They weren't, like, moving the whole village. Well, who's going to put their rock on top of Moana's shell? Well, no one. I mean, yeah, I feel yeah. like the underlying message was, she we're that. not here permanently. We're, we're moving on. I suppose. And that's fine, but... Sounds like it's not fine. It is fine. Is it? I just feel like they gave kind of mixed messages. It it did bother me slightly too, but only from like the practical standpoint of like somebody's Moana's child is going to come along and crush that shell. <laughs> like, or just like everybody's going to have to. They're like, too easily broken. Everyone's going to have to move it and then put their own rock and then put the shell on top of that rock so that Moana's always on top because that's the only practical way it'll work. Yeah. That was her plan this whole time. <laughs> it's a really good plan. Props to Moana for having the plan that we just As she places she the shell down on top, she just hears the theme song from America's Next Top Model playing in the background. <laughs> it says, do you want to be on top? And then she slams it down. <laughs> I accept that. I accept that as a headcanon. Moana flexing over all future chiefs. What did you do? I restored the heart of Tefiti. Yeah. The whole ceremony gets slightly more complicated, so everyone has to think of Moana. Yeah. Hilarious. Pretty much. What else you got for us, David? I really liked that the ocean kind of shows up as a character in the movie. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. That so much of the plot is driven by the ocean itself, that brings the heart of Tefiti to Moana at the very beginning and then helps her out throughout the movie 
but only at like specific times. There are definitely times when the ocean could have been more helpful. <laughs> but yeah, That's I like a- that was an, another thing that I really enjoyed about the movie is that sort of almost like fairy tale sort of move that the ocean itself becomes a person kind of but only through like a water tendril it never like really speaks to her it's always through its actions to her that one time like she says when she gets to the island she says maui like maui's here and the little the little wave nods at her yeah but it doesn't like speak to her or tell her you know important information or whatever other than that one little nod right yeah i'm just saying that your example was the fact that it only spoke in actions by like putting her back on the boat or doing this and technically nodding is an action but that's more of a direct communication than i was it is about to say a thing i'm right you are technically right yeah no i do like that it was fun that you could tell how much Moana wanted to explore and was excited about the ocean and how much the ocean in turn cared for Moana. Maybe it was just because they chose her to restore the heart of Te Fiti. But still, there was it was a nice little companionship, a good little understanding between her and the ocean. It was a lot of fun. Very wholesome. Very Ooh. nature-y. The ocean is like a classic protagonist a mentor too and that it doesn't help when like every time that it can and just leaves the protagonist to do things on their own but then does help when it's super important and like uh takes steps to make sure Maui teaches Moana how to sail and I like when it stuffs hey hey in the basket because that's like a personality thing and it was just really cute and also Disney gets better and better at animating water with each film which is the natural progression. You get better as you keep doing it. But, like, they have animators who really like animating water. And I respect them for it. That's gotta be hard. I'm always very impressed with how they animate hair. Yeah. Because it used to be, like, an old movie, so stiff. And then starting with Tangled and Brave and now Moana, you see, like, this fun hair, but especially in Brave and Moana, because they have such, like, bounce and texture to their hair, and you can see it moving, like, in the wind and with every turn of their head. Like, when Moana, her hair is wet, and she turns her head, and then the water turns around and it slaps her in the face. Like, that's good quality hair movement. It is good quality hair movement, and they do, like, animate individual hairs. I know the water thing, and I know the hair thing because of uh, Ratatouille stuff that I watched behind-the-scenes Ratatouille stuff, where they said that, like, water and hair are always their most challenging things and the things they really strive for with each new project. Like, Linguini had, like, 171,000 individual hairs or something. Oh, wow. Like that. So I can only imagine Moana has way has more. Because she more. has, yeah, a full head of hair. And, like, the water in that one was, like, in one scene where the main character's getting swept down, like, a sewer thing... And they were mm-hmm. like, yeah, water is hard because it doesn't have like a distinct shape. It'll just take whatever shape of a thing. But you have to decide how it's going to take the shape of its container. So you have to like, they watch like reference videos. And that was just one water thing. This was a whole ocean that they gave a personality and a character to. And I just, I'm, I really like animated water is what I'm saying. 
And they did a good job. Good job, Moana. Good job, yeah. animators. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I like... So I liked the ocean as a character, and I liked the sort of interplay between the ocean as a character and the grandmother, and how those two things kept coming back throughout the movie. Like, the the manta ray. Her... her how the grandmother has the manta ray tattoo, and then that ghostly, bright, illuminated manta ray will show up every now and then. Yeah. Um, which was also animated really well, both, like, the the physical object of it, but also, like, the way it shines in the water and everything, and shines under the water, and you can, like, I think they you did can see it just, just below the surface. I think they did an extra good job because, yeah, you have to deal with, like, the movement of the manta ray as well as the water. But also manta rays always seem so graceful. And, I mean, I guess they already sort of had experience with a ray in Finding Nemo. But, I don't know, they did a very good job with the movement and having it look very spiritual and ethereal. And not like just your average typical manta ray in the ocean. This one was gliding through and like you said, David, with the uh, glowing aspect to it. It was a really nice manta ray. It, it was. was a really nice manta ray. Yeah. Speaking of animals, Maui gets a lot of mileage out of his giant hawk form. His other shapes don't really do a whole lot, which I was a little bit disappointed with. There's like the the whale i guess when he turns into a whale and splashes take off and also splashes moana like when he's still learning how to regain his shape controller or whatever yeah but i don't know i wish that there were other animal forms that he had that did exciting things because like almost every time it was like he just defaulted to the giant hawk and the hawk would like fly around and get him everything he needed well i guess in defense of the hawk i mean it's a good animal it's a good animal and if you're a whale you still can only move so fast and really only do so much so but you because you're surrounded by water if you're not an aquatic creature you have to be a flying one, because if you're, like, a panther, that's not going to do you any good in the middle of the ocean. And at least with the hawk, you can fly around, and you can pick things up, and you can be a distraction. So I stand by it. I support Maui's decision to be a giant hawk. Favoring the giant hawk over other animals also feels like a very Maui thing to do. That's true. But, like, I, he's the iguana and the beetle to steal the heart. He does those two before the hawk, and then he turns into those things at least twice. And we got to the see him be Sven. Got to see him what? Be Sven. Be from Frozen. Sven. Yeah. And what when he's flipping through a bunch of different animals, I think shortly after he first gets it, uh, he's Sven from Frozen very quickly. Oh, I didn't know that. Wow, fake fan. I get a point! I'm up to two points. Okay, but do I get a point for my Alan Tudyk thing earlier? No. I think you get a point for that. <sighs> I think I think that's a that's a point worthy anecdote. Yes. I guess. Anyway, that's exciting that it turns into Sven. But like, I I think that yeah, for as far as the use 
he's the beetle and the iguana on top of Tafiti at some point too, before yeah. or after Giant Hawk. So I felt like the Edmonds actually went out of their way to make sure he wasn't the hawk the whole time, even if he did favor it. Out of yeah, necessity I don't know. and out of personality. It felt like the hawk was just like the thing that was doing everything. Like he was the shark a little bit. He like gnawed on Teka's finger as the shark and he did the shark head thing again. But like I don't know. I wanted a little bit more animal diversity. Maybe it was just me. What animal would you have preferred he been? Which others would you have liked to see during the fight with Teka? Elephant would have been pretty good. You could like It's in the ocean, David. You could like spray water on him though. Or on her, I guess. Okay, but Teka is giant and elephants can only spray so much water. That's not gonna do much. This is this is this might sound like a very silly question, but are elephants native to the Polynesian islands? I, I don't think clue. they are. There are Asian elephants. I'm not sure where in Asia they are, though. Because I feel like they were they were trying to do animals aside from Sven as a fun cameo that were like from that area. So I don't know that a I'm looking it up because I want to know. The only thing that I find when I search for Polynesian elephant are Polynesian elephant style tattoos. That's fun. Unless they're not, but are they? They, I mean, they look alright. I do like, one thing that I thought was very cool, and I know it was um, also just like cultural, I say just as if that's not important, but cultural representation, but I did think it was very cool that they had characters with their tattoos, and they showed someone getting a tattoo, and it was a cool, respectful, cultural, good thing. Because I feel like in a lot of times, Disney movies, maybe they try to, you know, cater to parents and either the main characters and the good people, quote unquote, don't have tattoos. Or when you do see a character who has tattoos, even if they aren't a bad character, it's probably like the punk teenager who's working at the gas station or something. So I thought it was very cool and nice to have... A representation of the culture as well as this thing that is so common in at least our society for people to have tattoos. And it was just like, yeah, they have tattoos. That's it. And there was no downside to it. Big fan. I would agree with that. That's a very important thing to have. I felt like, I mean, I don't know because I I don't know things. But, like, I felt like as an outsider, I was like, yeah... This feels like good representation because um, the voice of Moana is from the Polynesian Islands, right? She's from Hawaii. I, say, I thought she was from Hawaii, Hawaii. Okay. but I believe, I believe uh, she has relatives from the Polynesian Islands. Like I, okay. like I think they tried to make an active effort to at least find people from the Pacific Islands or who have actual heritage from there to be in this movie. Like they weren't. Just saying, oh, yeah. I mean, aside from Alan Tudyk, but he was hey hey, so it's fine. But they weren't like <laughs> he was the chicken. It fine. <laughs> yeah, they weren't like let's get John Goodman to be a voice of someone. Yeah, from that angle, I I thought it, the voices seemed good. Even uh, Dwayne the Rock Johnson said that he had some kind of 
Yes. Doesn't he have Polynesian heritage? And, like, I don't know, somebody who is smarter than me might be like, that's not enough, but I... Right, like, it's very possible that I'm sitting here thinking, like, oh, yes, excellent representation, and someone who is actually from these cultures or cultures similar to this are saying, "Eh, it it helps, but it's not great. And for that, I apologize if that's the case, but... We don't we don't see a whole lot of that, and like, so I'm glad that there was some representation and like actual showing of other cultures. Yeah, like and the and the daily life of the village seemed like the daily life of a Polynesian village, and like the boats seemed like the real voyaging boats. And I think wayfinder is a real term, but I'm not positive on that. It is, it, yeah. It is okay. Good. So like from that like. From my admittedly ignorant standpoint, I felt like I learned something, and I was like, this is cool. Good on you, Disney. You're branching out. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking I'm looking up Asian elephants, and it looks like they live in Indonesia, but not in, like, the Polynesian islands. So, elephant, not quite, maybe wouldn't have been the best animal in the takeoff fight. And maybe not. But wouldn't have done much. I think it would have done plenty. Thank you. I think you just don't like hawks. And you are spewing this anti-hawk propaganda. For no reason. I'm not anti-hawk. I just wish that there were... I wish that some of the other animals got a little bit more screen time. I wish we didn't see the hawk than... as much. Sounds a little anti-hawk. Not anti-hawk, just pro-diversity. Hmm. Okay, sure. Anyway, so this is something that they discuss a little bit in the movie when Maui and Moana are on the boat. Is Moana a Disney princess? Yes. Yeah, I, that's actually one of my least favorite parts of the movie because it feels way too nudge-nudge. Like, we're doing it, it is different very, stuff. It is very nudge-nudge, but yeah. now that we've been nudged, what do you think? I mean, yeah, like, she's a Disney protagonist, and I guess princess is maybe not the correct title, but she's the daughter of the chief, which feels roughly equivalent. So, like, uh, she's a Disney princess, but it, it's not, like, a bad term. Like, every new princess, in quotation marks, movie... does that or people are like this one breaks all the molds and it's like it's it's i don't know it's a fun it's a fun trope the disney princess and she is she breaks into song she's got her animal companion like maui's correct it just bothers me that like he says it in a demeaning manner which is in character for him and i get that he's just like poking fun at her but it feels like the writers went out of their way to do that to be funny rather than an actual scene between Maui and Moana where he makes fun of her incapabilities. I think they're just trying, because I think at this point they're well aware that people have all these, like, even if they're not big and even if they're fairly harmless, people still, I think, hold negative connotations with Disney princesses and being like well I'm not gonna raise my daughter to watch these Disney princess movies and so I think 
if anything. Yeah, maybe it is still a little too nudge-nudge, but it's just sort of saying, yeah, we know, we're doing these Disney princess movies. Roll with it, guys. We're having fun. And yeah, like, it's not it's not bad. I don't think it's... Again, maybe Maui's saying it in a certain way because he's Maui and he kind of is very... He thinks highly of himself and less highly of others. But... I don't think there's any negative connotation to it here. I thought it was kind of fun. It was like in Zootopia when they they have the Frozen line where he's like, oh, not everything's, you know, just singing songs and this and this. So let it go. This was the Zootopia well, well, version of that. That was like a reference to a line from a movie, though. This is critiquing the kind of movie that Moana is. Is it critiquing or is it just acknowledging what it is in a joking manner? I mean, if it, if it's the second one, I don't think it does a good job. It was too, it was, it was too wink, wink for me. And I didn't care for it. How would they have broken the fourth wall in a way that wasn't wink, wink? I don't think they needed to break the fourth wall at all. But if they wanted to include that and clearly they did. Well, it was a bad choice to include it, is what I'm saying. I don't think it's I don't that think big of a landed. deal. What? I don't think it's that big of a deal. I mean, it's not that big a deal. It's just a personal irk of mine that it was in there. Fair. It's like, 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 whenever a new Disney movie comes out, it is fairly put up for scrutiny because obviously movies and values and tropes should evolve with the times and a Disney princess movie coming out now should not be the same as a Disney princess movie coming out many many years ago so like obviously evolve and show female protagonists doing more strong female things that aren't necessarily domestic strong female things I'm into that go for it but I feel like also everybody's like this was just another Disney movie with the songs and an animal companion and a heartwarming ending. And it's like, but what, what, what are you seeing a Disney movie for? Right? Like, that's... That's what they are. Like, if, do you want a Disney movie without those key Disney components? Like, if you don't want that, don't watch a Disney movie. You're just seeing the wrong thing by now, bud. Yeah. And so often I hear that kind of thing in conjunction with, with complaining about the Disney princess or heroine trope as a whole. And so I just conflate those two things all the time, and I, I just think that, like, like, Maui uses it in a context where he, like, he has been doing for the, mo- the whole movie is to undermine her, to be like, you can't sail, you're just this random kid who showed up, you cannot take on Daka, ETC, ETC, ETC. Um, so it just felt like another add-on to that, and I know that she proves him wrong at the end. And she succeeds in her thing. But it feels, like, demoralized because they were like, she's just another Disney princess who succeeded in her thing instead of just letting it be Moana succeeding in her thing. Was he undermining her? Like, granted, I I could just not remember even though I watched it last night. But I thought it was more like... I mean, yeah, he still had the sort of mocking tone, but that's more chalking it up to him being Maui. But I thought... I thought it was more of him just being like, oh, so you're a princess. And she's like, I'm not a princess. And he's like, well, you're the chief's daughter and you wear a dress and you have a talking companion. It wasn't a, you can't do anything because you're the chief's daughter and you wear a dress and you have a dumb chicken as your friend. It was... But bef- but before then, he had been, like, 
you can't sail. Which, you know, yeah, to be fair, she can't sail. She, can't, she sail. can't sail. And, like, all this other stuff where... I just I just feel like it doesn't add anything. I feel like that exchange adds nothing to the movie except for making me mad. <laughs> okay. Like if you took if you took that out or replaced it with similar dialogue, then I think it nothing would be lost. Would anything be gained aside from not making you mad? Better dialogue. Supposedly. Yeah. Anyway, I'm right. No, you're not. I I stand by this. I'm you right. Stand I have explained myself it. well because I have n- never once explained myself well on this podcast, but I stand by it. Anyway, moving on. Next topic. Yeah. <laughs> Take us away. Take, make us stop talking about this, David. I did really like, I guess, the problems that they get into when they face the coconut pirates and then they go into the the land of monsters Mm-hmm. And all the weird creatures down there. Those were both scenes that I enjoyed a lot. And actually, I was just reading on the Wikipedia. The Kakamora, the coconut pirates, that whole scene was an homage to Mad Max Fury Road. Oh, yeah. I could see that. Like the second like, I saw the theaters, I was like, Mad Max. And I was so happy that they did that. Yeah, it was an intentional, an intentional thing. That these little coconut things were... I, I didn't make the connection until I, I just read it now. But, yeah. Mad Max. Mad Max. Little coconut guys. I really liked the cock of the Kakamora. I did too. Like, And I guess it sort of... It goes back to what I was saying before about the beats of the movie being predictable. in But the movie still being enjoyable. Like, of course they had to run into some sort of trouble while they are out on the water. But the trouble that they run into, I never in a million years would have come up with coconut pirates that, you know, steal Hey Hey and <laughs> try and kill them with their blow darts or whatever. All of the the individual pieces were really unique and felt especially like unique to this world and to this movie. Mm-hmm. Even if the grander architecture was put together in like a, a predictable way, which I think is, is fun. And I think that's like a really good way to do that. Like even if you're hanging things off of something really familiar to make those individual elements really unique and special on their own adds a lot to the movie. Yeah, I agree. And I like that there was no question from Moana about these coconuts being humanish and pirates and trying to kill them. Presumably these were not coconuts that she had on her island. And yet here they are attacking her and she's not like, but how are these coconuts alive? I thought it was just a fun thing that we collectively are like, oh no, coconut pirates. And we roll with it. Yeah. I'm trying to look up. I agree. If Kakamura are like a real Polynesian thing. I haven't, I haven't found anything yet. Yeah. I, I wasn't sure about that either. Like how much of this was actually drawn from actual Polynesian legends and and myths and stories and how much of this was just polynesian flavored but invented invented wholesale by disney i wasn't sure about any of that oh speaking of that in a way that is totally unrelated but it was just when you said 
Polynesian flavored, but not Polynesian. You know what I learned during the quarantine? That chicken tikka masala is a British dish. That is not yeah, it's an like, Indian thing. It's like the British national dish. Yeah, but it's, yeah. it's really? it was like invented in Britain, like highly, definitely Indian inspired, absolutely. But that dish specifically was not like a common Indian dish that Britain adopted as their own. It like is a thing that originated in Britain. Yep. Isn't that crazy? I did not know that. I knew that like that like uh, Indian food is common in England. Yes, they like it as they should. It's amazing because it's delicious. I did not know that tikka masala specifically was a British takeover yeah. of an Indian dish. That is interesting news, isn't it? I was blown away when I heard it. Anyway, that was my little sidebar. I'm sorry, it's not Moana-related at all, but what you said reminded me of it, and I thought, this is a fun little fact. Back to the movie. Yeah. Back to Moana. Is there anything else that you guys wanted to cover specifically? No, I can't find anything on, on, on Kakamora, and the one thing that I did find doesn't look favorably for Moana, which is sad. Because yeah, they are that's not one of those... Coconut people. The... <laughs> they're like a, a diminutive i don't know it was it refers what i found is like a diminutive race of little creatures so i assume they're like little mythological creatures but i guess sometimes it also refers to people i don't know i don't know so i just stopped because i'm not equipped for this yeah that's one of those things that i'm never really sure about sorry i'm i'm looking this up now what was the other disney movie that we watched that was set in a different culture frozen uh frozen was but like nobody's really worried about scandinavian culture being misrepresented no they are not right no there was oh lilo and stitch lilo and stitch yeah yeah because you said the story was very like like pete like i remember you saying that lilo and nani struggling alone would not be a thing that happened in that community because family is right. very widespread rather than just the immediate notion of family that Americans tend to have. Right. Yeah, it, it's one of those things that I'm, I'm never quite sure what to... Like, as, as somebody that is definitely outside Polynesian culture, I'm never quite sure, like, how much I'm learning about that culture right? and how much of it is, like, Disney's sort of tourism of yeah. that culture for white people yeah because i said earlier that like i feel like i learned things and like i felt like they did a good job but if you know a polynesian person said no i'd be like okay i'm sorry <laughs> i don't know anything like i i don't know right i feel like they probably try and especially like as Kristen was saying earlier a lot of if not all of the people in Moana are of some sort of Polynesian or Maori or like native Hawaiian descent, which is, I don't know, it's, it's a thing that shows that they're, they're trying, right? They're, they're trying to. Yes. I remember trying. there was also a conversation because 
and and I never heard the the okay so the conversation was essentially people being like no Maui is not obese like he's a bigger boned guy but if anyone's trying to say he's obese that's that's not it and I never actually heard anyone saying that Maui was obese or promoting obesity or anything like that which is not to say that people weren't saying it but I just never saw it and I remember people being like no they actually did like a good job showing that in our culture, like, the bigger, stronger men have more weight on them and more muscles, and it's, it's, again, it's been a while, so I'm forgetting all these things that I had seen beforehand, but people were pointing out how it was nice that, you know, the big demigod looked like someone representative of that culture instead of a Hercules body type or something like that. So I thought that was another cool aspect that I hope was um, authentic to the culture but again not being of that culture I don't actually know but I saw people speaking in defense of how Maui looked so I think that they at least had that going for them as far as authenticity and I have seen people say the opposite about Maui that he was not good for no, maybe uh, not may, maybe not Maui himself, but I saw people saying that like his body type. I have also seen about body type. Oh people, well, then like, might uh, be. So like I don't know, but I have also seen the positive ones. I've seen things from both sides, and I am not informed enough to have an opinion on it. Except that my opinion was, yay, they're doing a non-white Disney princess. Yes, that's a step forward. A non-white cool. Disney princess who got to be the princess, like. A, a, per, a human princess the whole time looking at you, Princess yes. and the Frog. Yeah, who got to... Yeah, it's a good point. It's a good point. <sighs> David, you have not seen Princess and the Frog. I haven't. Okay. I'm looking at I'm looking at the, the list on the Wikipedia page under casting that does say that the majority of the film's cast are of Polynesian descent. Yay! And that, Includes Jemaine Clement, who's Maori. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, he's Jem- the crab. He's the crab, Kristen. Oh, is that who he is? I didn't know. Yeah, he's Tamatua. Now you know. Now I know that Jemaine Clement is the crab. Now you know. Speaking of the crab, I really enjoyed, in in a way that almost makes me dislike the rest of the song, which which I don't. But I like the shiny song a lot, but specifically the part in the bridge where the music changes when he sings Maui, now it's time to kick your hiney. Something about whatever notes and chords they're playing there and just the music in general. I love it so much and I was so heartbroken when I saw it in theaters that it lasted for about five seconds. And then it went back to the regular <laughs> tune of the song. Like, I think I... I felt my soul leave my body when I first heard that. And then it just quickly came back down. But I am a big fan. So whoever decided to come up with that little part in the bridge, I owe them my heart. I have heard so many different opinions of Shiny. Shiny in particular is a song that was very contested on at least Twitter and the circles that I move in on the internet, because a lot of people really liked the song on the soundtrack before they saw the movie, and then they saw the movie, and it was just like, 
what is this song doing here? It is definitely the weirdest one in the movie. Oh, it's the weirdest for sure. And it's weird because like, it's it's a villain song, but usually villain songs fall into the category of I want. Like, if you, you saw that whole breakdown of Disney yeah. songs and how really there are Indeed. like 13 different categories, but truly there are like three core categories. And one of them is I want. And they talk about how villains and their songs usually overlap with the I want. And it's odd because... Like, technically, it's an I want. He wants to be shiny. But that that's like the beginning and the end of it. There isn't... isn't it's like, right yes, we know that Maui like... took one of his claws, so there's a valid reason to not like Maui from the crab, Jemaine Clement's point of view. But... It's like... That's like it. It doesn't perfect... really offer that much more <laughs> no. at all. like... <laughs> And, like, villain songs are often the best ones. Mm-hmm. And the ones that everybody really likes. And also, they tend to, like, Disney's really good at making their songs, I guess all musicals are really good at this, at, like, bringing back parts of songs to be other songs. Like, in Hunchback, Quasimodo and Frodo's songs are, like, um, Frodo's songs. Frollo's songs <laughs> are, um... <laughs> the same melody but in a different key and like the villain song usually comes back instrumentally in some big climactic fight scene or something and that doesn't that doesn't really happen with shiny no which is fine it's just like such a weird i don't know every time i watch it i'm like i don't jemaine i love you man but i don't know if this if this one works and it's just funny how I saw a whole bunch of people echo that sentiment right after Moana came out. They were like, what was the deal with Shiny? What was that? But it is really fun. Again, I do think that this soundtrack has a lot of songs that you can sing with oomph, or at least with, I don't know, you get to like play different roles. Like I have a lot of fun singing the well, 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 little Maui's having trouble with his hook or with his look and just settling into the personality of the crab when you sing the song is very fun but the song as a whole in the context of the movie is a question mark yeah it's a pretty solid question mark according to Lin-Manuel Miranda this is again from the Wikipedia which is where I go for all of my information Shiny was inspired by the Flight of the Concords tribute to David Bowie at the Aspen Comedy Festival in 2004. Oh, yeah, of course. And listening to about right. other David Bowie songs, which, yeah, that that tracks. The whole scene and, like, it's not, like, music video, I guess, but, like, the video going with the music is all very strange and trippy. And, yeah, I can definitely see the David Bowie you know, David Bowie through Flight of the Concords <laughs> influence to that. Oh, one thing that I, I didn't like, and Disney sometimes does this, and I think sometimes it's just meant to be sort of a funny thing, and I think sometimes it genuinely is spelling things out for younger children who may not pick up on it, like uh, the Duke of Wesselton in Frozen, who, like says out loud that he wants to steal their imports and something something or other with trading, etc. And then he They're goes, oh, did secrets. I say that out loud? Like, I don't think, like, children could probably pick up on the fact that he's evil, but maybe not necessarily exactly what it is that he's doing. 
So I can understand saying that one out loud. But we see Moana land in the thing and then she has the glowing stuff on her. And then we see her holding up the heart of Tefiti, quote unquote. And she's like, come get this. And then she runs away with Maui and she says that she has the real one. And then when the crab goes and he picks up the fake one, he does he does the thing where he explains the thing. And he says, oh, I see what she did. She covered this thing or this barnacle with some phosphorescent something or other. And yes, it created a diversion. And I didn't okay. like that one because to me, I'm like, we all could have picked up on that. Or even if you thought like, children couldn't have picked up on that, all you had to do was have a three-second scene of Moana, like, taking a barnacle or a shell or something and dipping it in this growing, glowing green stuff, and then problem solved. That one seemed too much, like, spelling it out in a bad way. I disagree because I don't think the point of that line was to spell it out. I feel like that was just because I like all the voice lines of the crab, of Jemaine Clement the crab. I, I just really like that line. I hate when it. Like, oh, I see what she did. She covered the, okay, okay. That feels like it's not, it feels like it's for a gag rather than to explain something to us, which is, which is the opposite of how I feel about the Disney princess line. But I also like when earlier the crab is like, you can't run from me. Oh, you can. Oh, you're fast. Something like that. I don't know. I just think his delivery is really good. See, that was that, actually fun, though, because it was it was more of a joke. This, I don't know. I didn't it was like also it. a joke. No, it seemed like it was, it didn't think I was smart enough to follow along with the idea. I, I agree with Hallie no! on this one. <laughs> It did feel like a gag, and it felt especially like a Jemaine Clement gag. Yeah, he does like, that. He's like that. You should definitely watch What We Do in the Shadows. I know Like, you... a lot of the humor... Go ahead. A lot of the humor is really, like, kind of dry like that, and I don't know. I think you, I think you would enjoy it. Hmm. We'll see. I unfortunately know you well enough to agree you with that You know nothing statement. about me. You don't even know how I feel about mustard. You like mustard even though that was a you told me that you didn't you changed your mind at some point and decided that you did like it that is not what happened that is exactly what happened you changed your mind no and suddenly mustard was a plus no anyway those are all my talking points for moana i can't think of anything else i have to say i am also running out of things to say about moana hallie do you have anything else know. to add can you hear me? I, I said no. Oh, oh no, I, I couldn't did not hear, hear said, the no either. I said I, do, I, I have nothing further to add. Okay. All right. So for the next episode, I sort of threw this preview together because I know the basic outline of our next movie. and Which is disappointing. Did not know that. Yeah, when we it's chose not it. as funny when I actually know some things about it. So I threw this together kind of at the last minute. I apologize for that. I'm going to read it anyways. Scott is a nerdy kid looking for love, as are we all. He's into music, video games, and the new girl in his homeroom, Ginger. Ginger likes him too. They can talk for hours about bands and games they've played. But, but before she agrees to go on a date with him, she has one request. 
Scott must defeat her seven ex-boyfriends in Mortal Kombat. These include band guy Greg, who plays guitar in a band, and video game Steve, who's really good at video games, I guess. They probably have better names in the movie. Anyway, Scott charges into his quest head-on, not only facing down his crush's exes, but also, dun-dun-dun, the entire world? That's right. Next time, we're watching Scott Pilgrim vs. The World, a movie everyone tells me is great, but looks like extremely not my thing. <laughs> we'll find out soon, though. <laughs> Next time on Catching Up David. I found that I found that very enjoyable. I forgot that that was the concept Good. of Scott I, Pilgrim vs. The World, so I was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna learn something here." And I have did. you not seen it either? Well, good. I'm glad that everybody took a little something away from that. Hallie, have yeah. you seen Scott have Pilgrim? You not, have you not? No. Oh, things I didn't know when I was like, "Let's do Scott Pilgrim for the next one." This is exciting. I'm excited. No, I said, let's do Scott yeah. Pilgrim no, for I the next one. No, I did that. Well, I did it first. I said Scott Pilgrim no, or this I other did. movie that we'll probably do sometime in the future. And then you piggybacked off of me and said, yes, Hallie had a great suggestion, and I would also like to watch Scott Pilgrim. That is not That is word for happened. word what happened. You transcribed it for me. I'm going to sever your right pointer finger. That's not what That's happened. That's not even my favorite pointer finger. I don't care. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> I've got gloves. <laughs> I can cut <laughs> through those. They're really good gloves. Are they made out of whatever Frodo's shiny Mithras thing was steel? made of? Yeah. I think that's right. I think those words are right, what I just said. <laughs> Mithras. Did you know that the cutters Mithril? that I have are the only ones that can cut oh, through that Mithril. kind of steel? David said it correctly. It's Mithril. I have Mithril. And no. Yeah. It can cut through that. Like butter. That's what the packaging says. And it's the truth. Capitalism lies. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> this was a really weird recording. I just feel like this Capital. was a weird recording. Kristen, so what what did you know about Scott Pilgrim? Are you looking forward to it? Is this the one that has Chris Evans in it? Yeah, it is. It's the one with Edgy okay. Chris Evans, and everybody was like, "Wow, Infinity War looks great." <laughs> because, and just I think I think I confuse bits of this movie with with other movies. I have learned and forgotten and relearned about the seven ex boyfriends thing, like probably four different times. Somehow that bit of information just doesn't stick with me. But I know it has Michael Sarah, who is just amusing. And I also hear that I should watch it. And even if I hate Scott Pilgrim, I feel like I will enjoy having seen it. Because now whenever I see Scott Pilgrim memes or anything, I will actually understand it's what people are saying. There yeah. you go. That's, that is one benefit in... Even if it sucks. Watching movies and being online. Yeah. You'll at least know what everyone is exactly. talking about. How life... And you didn't even have to start your own no, podcast. I was going to say, how life-changing has this been? How often do you find yourself like on the interwebs and you see a thing for like Legally Blonde or Mean Girls or Frozen and you're like, oh, I get that now. Or has it actually not happened that much? I saw 
I saw a Mean Girls thing the other day, and I was like, I got uh-huh. it. I know. I, we did that. For I know you. what you're talking you're about. You're welcome. You did that for me. Thank you. Your only... quality of life has significantly improved. <laughs> and it only costs you $500, all to me, none to Hallie. I mean, you can pay her if you want. I don't extort my friends. I do, and that's why I'm that. going to win. <laughs> <laughs> Have we said goodbye yet? What was that? Have we said goodbye yet, or has it just been this? <laughs> We haven't said goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> it just... No, it's just been this. I thought there was something else I, I wanted to say about Scott Pilgrim, and then I couldn't remember. Other than the fact that like I know a lot of people that really love this movie, it's always just felt like a thing that, for whatever reason, I don't feel like I'm going to be into. I have no idea how I'm going to receive it, actually. Is, I could see it go on either way. Okay, is this the movie, or am I thinking of Superbad, that has Emma Stone in it? You're thinking of Superbad. Oh, okay, because I did one of those big personality quiz things the other day. And by the other day, I mean, like, two months ago. And it told me that of, like, the three pop culture people I was most like, one of them was Emma Stone's character from Superbad, and now I have wanted to watch Superbad even though I have never once wanted to watch Superbad, so that I can see her character and see if I agree that it is me. So I'm a little bit bummed that this isn't the one with Emma Stone, so that I can see if her character is me. Superbad could go on the list, though. I think it's big enough pop culture-wise. Oh, probably. I think it could go. To be on the list. So we can add that, and then you can see who you are. I can see who I am. You'll know who you are. Yeah, it had the three people, and I I have only truly seen one of them, so that was a bummer. I like it when I know the characters. Yeah, you know who I got as my number one result on that? Who? Uh, Alice Cullen. (laughs) You are not nearly cool enough to be Alice Cullen. I'm mad. No, I'm (laughs) way cooler than Alice Cullen. And the worst part is that I know that I've taken that quiz, and one of my top three... Maybe top five, but I think top three, I think he was my second result, was Uncle Iroh, which is the best result you can get. That's that's winning the quiz. You are not Uncle I have Uncle never Iroh. been able to recreate that. I am. No, you are not. So. Yes, I am. Okay, no, because anytime Except until people... it said Alice Cullen, so I've apparently just devolved the last couple years. Whenever anything says Uncle Iroh, <laughs> it's not correct, because it said Brittany was Uncle Iroh, and Brittany is so far from Uncle Iroh, Oh, no. yeah, that's not right. I don't know Brittany very well, but I feel like she's not Uncle Iroh. She's not. I don't know who Uncle Iroh is. From Avatar The Last Airbender. <sighs> God keep up it's so frustrating sometimes when you say these things <laughs> i I've, I've heard of avatar it's got that really great movie right that everybody Everyone loved. raves about it i watch it every christmas yeah the best film adaptation ever yeah. i've heard you Those are hearing facts. the correct things my friend i'll have to go watch that immediately and only that not the show not the show yeah. The show mispronounces names. Like, it has yes. Aang instead of Ang, and it says Sokka instead of Soka. Like, I don't know what they thought they were doing. Yeah, what was the show thinking being first and <laughs> having many seasons with these characters' names? Yeah. How dare. <laughs> How dare they. 
Yeah. But yeah, fun times. Love a personality quiz. Tell me who I am. So I don't have to right. figure it out Every myself. Time, like, <laughs> tell me what type of bread I am. Or like all the really <laughs> stupid ones. We, we should take a personality quiz before each and every one of our episodes. <laughs> That'd be fun. That corresponds or doesn't to the movie that we that watched. That'd be a fun... <laughs> Which Scott Pilgrim versus the Experience. world character are you? And then we can all see who we are. Yeah. I'll find it. Yeah. Yeah. It would be it would be like um what Martha and Pete do at the beginning of their podcast, except not as good. <laughs> except no, not this is better. Good. I love seeing which characters people are. Personality quizzes are my life. Well maybe we can do that for the next one. It can be our new tradition. I love it. Yes. Um Also, I'm how jazzed. would you feel since this since our next episode will be twenty four? which means the big number 25 will be after Scott Pilgrim. I was thinking, how would you guys feel about every 25 episodes or so doing an episode where I pick the movie? That's something I know that neither of you have seen, but something that I really like that's weird and like artsy and obscure and making you watch it. I think that sounds it. entertaining, even if I hate it. Would that be fun? I feel. <laughs> I feel like we would get like, two people to listen to the episode and neither of them would know what was going on. But I like on. it. It's, it's, a, it's a little fun but, reversal. Yeah. I don't know. I don't necessarily I don't necessarily yeah. want to broaden my horizons because my taste is impeccable and if I haven't heard of it then it probably isn't amazing. But I suppose I will consider this. I'm only half joking. Okay. Well, we can talk about that after the Scott Pilgrim episode, which is next up on Catching Up David. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Goodbye, Howie. Goodbye, David, and goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, Kristen. Farewell, all. Make good choices. Thank you for listening, everybody, and we'll catch you again in a couple of weeks. Bye. Yes. Bye. Bye.